I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's podcast. Like most of the city's iconic institutions, New Orleans City Park has experienced financial challenges during the pandemic. Even as residents were taking advantage of the park's resources like never before, administrators have dealt with the loss of revenue from weddings and special events, which make up a healthy portion of the park's annual budget. Now, in a sign that the city is moving to a new stage of the pandemic, one of the park's most iconic attractions, the Carousel Gardens Amusements Area, has reopened to the public. So what's the status of the city's more than 150-year-old green space? To find out, we'll talk to Kara Lambright, new CEO of New Orleans City Park. Kara Lambright, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Rich. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Appreciate it. So last weekend was this big moment. Can you tell us about the reopening of the amusements area? What does that mean for the community? What does that mean for you guys? Sure. You know, it was a really fantastic weekend. Um, and, and in so many ways, it, it was really symbolic, right, of, of things finally returning to normal and community being able to gather and be around each other. On Friday, we actually hosted a sneak preview of the Carousel Gardens Amusement Park, our historic um, amusement park here in City Park that was for first responders. And the staff here at City Park really you know, was reflective on, on everybody who worked to make sure that we could open up this final component of City Park. And we wanted to offer our banks and it was just a wonderful, thrilling day to see people who've worked so hard and sacrificed so much over the, over the past year to come out and have some joy with their family and with their friends. And then of course the following day was our happy 3rd of July, which has been an annual event, of course, except for last year. And we were, we were thrilled to see New Orleanians gathering, people from across the region gathering and just having some joy. It was really fantastic. Well, we're excited. Just to clarify that the carousel's not open though, right? That's under repair. Right. I mean, it, it eventually, you know, a uh, hundred years shows itself. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is one of the oldest and most important carousels in the country. And it's just the need of repairs and maintenance. And of course, it's such a unique feature that we have to find specialists to come in and help us. So we really hope to have it open probably by the beginning of fall. And we will certainly be sharing the word because we know how important it is to so many people. Is, is carousel repair the kind of thing where there's one guy in Switzerland or something? <laughs> like, like who, who does this stuff? That's a super question. I asked the very same question when I came on the job. Um, it, it turns out that there are some folks here in the United States that help do just what you're saying. They specialize in carousel repair. All right. So you have an unusual circumstance because you came aboard in the middle of all this unprecedented year. What did City Park go through this last year? Talk a little bit about the financial crunch and then the, the way forward. Uh, thanks for asking, you know, and, um, and to your point, what an interesting time to come on to an organization. And of course, City Park Improvement Association in and of itself is about 150 years old. And in many ways, the most important moments in the history of City Park have actually been defined 
by huge disasters, whether it's a financial crisis. And, and here we have the WPA that comes in and, and creates one of the most iconic city, beautiful parts in the nation, or you move to Katrina. Um, but actually, uh, here we have this kind of reset moment that happened through a pandemic, right? I mean, they're all kind of different forms of crises, but they also allow a moment to be reflective. And uh, to take a few steps back, we, we really had to pare down. I mean, I think, you know, uh, our story isn't that different than, than other organizations here in the city or here in the nation. We laid lots of people off. We did lots of job cuts or salary cuts. Um, we dug deep into our, our financial resources and we are absolutely in recovery. And, um, and while we're so excited to have everything finally back open, is these are critical funding streams. I mean, you know, the amusement park provides almost a million dollars a year mm. for the rest of the park, for the rest of, you know, the 1,200 acres of green space, right, that don't shoot off any type of income. So having these moments be absent over the past year uh, from catering and events uh, uh, to the amusement park um, uh, to Voodoo Festival, right? I mean, these City Park is really unique amongst these major urban parks in the United States um, in that so much of its revenue is actually self-generated. Um, but we actually saw a little bit of weakness, right, at that moment when all of our income is actually dependent on, on points of paid engagement, uh, we suddenly found ourselves with nothing. And we really had to go back out to the community and begin to have a different discussion with the community and say, you know, this is a community funded park, right? We can't do this without you. We need philanthropy, um, we need volunteers, and we really need to diversify uh, what we depend on. So I think uh, in some ways uh, we got to see our weaknesses in a, in, a, in a way that might not have revealed itself. And now we can plan accordingly. It's interesting because I don't think, you know, a lot of people just in their daily course of using the park, think about the, the financial side of it, or, you know, how, how does this uh, get mowed or, you know, who picks up the trash over here? What does it cost to keep City Park City Park every year? Yeah, you know, I, well, we certainly do some one-off projects, you know, that would affect our budget year over year, kind of these one-off things you wouldn't really want to count. I'd say the answer is probably about $17 million is enormous. And, um, you know, what's interesting about city park. So it's a 1300 acre park and the very part of the city. There are so few parks of that size in the middle of the city center. Many of those parks actually have areas that are fully forested or they have tall grass or something because we simply can't afford to maintain it. Um, we, we call it the back 40 or behind, behind the green curtain, you know, um, you know, there's all sorts of kind of parky uh, terms around this, but it just means we just can't afford to maintain it. And, but at City Park, you can actually come in and you can see the ground plane almost everywhere you look, because it's actually a pretty manicured park. I know, I know to, to folks who come, it kind of feels like a little, you know, soft and, and maybe you might not experience that it's a highly manicured park. But when you can see the ground plane going through trees, um, that's because of mowers right. and string trimmers. And um, it also means it collects trash because people are using those spaces. So instead of collecting trash, maybe at 400 acres, which you might in a, in a huge park like uh, St. Louis's Forest Park Forever, which is 1,100 acres, they're only really managing about 400 acres. 
here at City Park, we've actually made this entire green space available to everybody who comes. I mean, it's I, it's really hard to explain that there is just nothing that has been managed like this to meet the needs of the people. And uh, mowing is very expensive. Trash management is very expensive. Over the past year, we've actually, um, you know, uh, it's uh, no secret that park uses soared across the nation. It's certainly soared here at City Park. You can see right. with your own eyes. You can, you can see that there are parking problems. Um, with that, with that comes trash. Um, so here we had a budget um, that we weren't able to meet. We were having to lay people off, and meanwhile, you know, tr uh, trash is. It, we're getting complaints about it, and but that's kind of a conversation that we need to have with the community. Like we actually need you to leave no trace right now. We need to apply some of these fundamentals from the National Park Service or or our great uh, park ranger Yogi Bear, and, and actually. <laughs> We need everybody to help us. And if we can do that, we can get our city park back into the condition that the community deserves and expects. The park that everyone always compares city park to is Central Park because we're proud that ours is bigger. But Central Park is in the middle of New York City. And then here we are, you know, New Orleans is a small town. We don't have the huge corporate base. And then we've got this big park that has a lot of acres to be maintained. So it sounds like a challenge all the time. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, I appreciate you bringing up Central Park because it's, it's kind of a great learning moment. It's the park that everybody knows. If, if they know City Park, they know, they know Central Park, right? And um, uh, in, in the same way that Central Park is New York's living room, so is City Park. But it is surrounded, Central Park is surrounded by wealthy people. And Central Park actually makes so much money that they have an agreement with the city that they will disperse some of the funds that they raise to other parks in the city. <laughs> they got extra. Now, so you can see we're really coming to it though from, uh, from a completely different, uh, different level. We're having to have a dialogue with the community that says, your tax dollars don't cover all the expenses associated with this park. Right. Um, th you know, through the creativity of staff and, uh, and our board of commissioners over the years, we've created a lot of diversification and income sources, but there's a gap. And um, uh, we really do, like Central Park, we want to play a dynamic role in the parks community here in New Orleans and then, of course, throughout the state of Louisiana and in the Gulf Coast. Um, but we're, we're not going to be able to do that by, by, by sharing uh, any, any funds, but hopefully we're able to do it by being kind of a source for education about green space maintenance and stormwater management. Right. I'm picturing City Park if it was surrounded by giant high rises, each competing to get a <laughs> view of the park. When it comes to that budget, not a lot of that's coming from public sources, right? Correct. Well, I think, you know, we, we do have a, a couple of sources. So the state provides us some revenue, uh, some slot uh, tax yeah. revenue. And then um, the millage that passed uh, a couple of years ago, that was actually a really critical moment. And, you know, I got to come in, we just finished our budget for our upcoming fiscal year. And at first it was wonderful to, to, to lead the budget process so that I really could wrap my head around it. But I thought a lot about, my goodness, what if that $2 million from that millage wasn't here, right? We would be cutting back on our ground staff. We'd be cutting back on sanitation. We'd be having to reduce the amount of times uh, we clean the restroom. It would be a 20-day mo cycle instead of a 10-day mo cycle or a 7-day mo cycle. And, um, uh, but I really hope that, that everybody that's listening understands the importance importance of that millage and how much we appreciate the community that came out to make sure it passed. The 
a big portion of what you guys rely on comes from special events. Do you have a sense for when that might be back into somewhat of a full swing? Yeah, great question. And you're spot on. Our, our biggest revenue sources here at the park are amusement uh, park, right, which is just reopening our events and actually putt-putt, um, which I wouldn't have, when I was interviewing for the job, I wouldn't have said that I was going to list that, you know, it's, it's one of our top <laughs> income sources. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, we have our own in-house catering uh, company. We do our own um, in-house beverages, beverage sales. And uh, again, you're looking at over a million dollars in revenue for the park. So to have it completely dry up over this past year, um, to want to make sure that we kept key staff on that have been here um, for so long because we knew the program had to reboot and you know we didn't want to lose them. And it was a really tough go. But we are um, actually... You know, it's been really interesting. Once, uh, once we moved into the latest phase, we our phones really began ringing. Um, we're we're booked out. Uh, we're not fully booked, but we have a very robust uh, set of bookings uh, over the next six months, and it's it is thrilling and a huge relief to see that come back. Well, that's encouraging because when I chat like this with the tourism folks, I know that the city itself is is waiting for cruises and international travel and you know meetings large and small to return so we can get all those weeknight visitors back into hotels and restaurants and uh, so and, and the, the forecast is it's going to be a little while it's going to be it's not going to be this year that, that that looks like it should but it sounds like maybe there's more hope that um that weddings and things the kind of things that come into city park will, will get back quicker yeah, I think so. And, you know, I'm glad that you mentioned that with the, with the tourism, um, because they do think that that is something that City Park uh, is really going to be strategic about growing. And what we saw with tourism that still took place during the pandemic is suddenly restaurant and bars, all these kind of things that we used to sell New Orleans, uh, it wasn't there. And so we actually saw tourists really being more apparent in the park than they had ever been before. And I do think that it is an important story that we relay that um, New Orleans is the sum of its parts. And let's make sure we talk about all of its parts, right? I mean, its green space is absolutely spectacular here in New Orleans. And, and certainly at City Park, we wanna see that woven more into the dialogue about New Orleans nationally. When you look at, I, I was sitting on Bayou St. John the other day with my daughter, we were watching the rowers. And my daughter said, she said, you know, our green space is more beautiful than Austin, it's more beautiful than Minneapolis, and yet you don't ever see pictures of it, right? You don't see pictures of people on kayaks, you don't see pictures of the lake, and there are these moments that, uh, that folks coming into town really have this kind of one-dimensional moment with New Orleans, and, and I think we really want to work to change that dialogue. I think it's better for New Orleans, it's going to help us attract people to the region, it's going to get our workforce more developed, and, and we are keen to be a part of that story. Okay, well, that you segued uh, right into a question, which is, you know, you're you're beginning to put your stamp on things and plan uh, as you as you think about the your vision for City Park uh, in this post pandemic era. Uh, how do you want to shape things? How, um, what are what are some ideas you can share about <clears throat> your vision for where the where the park can go? Oh, thanks for that question. Um, you know, I'm. I think I'm asked that a lot, and I was certainly asked it during my interview process, and my answer was probably a little bit frustrating um, because my role is not to roll out my vision 
for the park, right? Is to have a dialogue with the community about how to make sure this park is meeting the community's needs, it's meeting the region's needs, and to really listen and to not have that kind of listening be, you know, a survey monkey, right? Okay. Uh, it's not, this is not a one-stop, you know, moment of where we, we do this big community survey. These are real dialogues and focus groups and roundtables and, and dives into history, maybe even dives into, you know, uncomfortable history, right? Um, uh, that's happened, you know, here in New Orleans and certainly took place here in its parks. And I want to help the people's vision be revealed. Now, at a fundamental park technician moment, we certainly want to improve landscape management and, and um, we have a water problem here in City Park and, and our trees are in danger because of all the standing water. So mm -hmm. we need to go in and do some of the ugly uh, stuff that maybe isn't that exciting to, to talk to the community or philanthropists about in terms of just improving the, the general infrastructure in the park. And those are things that um, we're, we're getting underway right now. But um, well, what's, uh, what's, what needs to be done to help with that? How do you help with the standing water? <laughs> um, well, right now we're talking to a lot of experts about that. Um, but, it, but there are drainage patterns that um, we can go in and improve. There's a lot of blockages within the park. You know, the park has a, its lagoon system, which of course is famous for, is really interesting that here it was built by the WPA and a hundred years later, it's actually still functioning. And uh, now it needs dredged, it needs cleaned out. We're working closely with the city of New Orleans to, to see uh, if we can develop a plan so that city park can be the green sponge uh, that it is and better uh, serve the community and, and hold more stormwater for the community. Um, but that's one of those things that is gonna take experts. And, um, and so we're having really good conversations right there. And then I also think we are, um, we're never gonna improve land management here in City Park without hiring. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, we just don't have the amount of staff that we need on the ground. Um, the staff we have is amazing. They're trained, we have master's degrees, we have certifications, we have a wonderful uh, team. They can only do so much with so many acres, um, given how small the staff is. So it's up to me, right, to go out and find these financial resources. We really need to be pushing in probably about a $22 million um, operating budget so that we can really get up that level of care um, that has, uh, I've already said, folks are happy in parks. If you meet the fundamentals, they need to feel secure, the bathrooms need to be clean, and there needs to not be visible trash. If you're doing those three things as a park operator, you're halfway there. Um, a couple of quick questions before, I, I know we've got a, a hard out coming up. <clears throat> Just jumping back a second. Uh, we talked about loss of events uh, and then the fact that you start to see things come back. Uh, Voodoo's been gone now last year and then they're not coming back this year. Uh, how important is that to you from a budget standpoint? And, and what is the future of, how is the future of Voodoo tied in with the future of, of the park and what you've got to get done? Yeah, you know, um, you know Voodoo is a beloved community event. Um, and while we do get income from it, we also lose a lot of revenue uh, during that time, you know, due to how much of the site that they mobilize and then the wear and tear, of course, on our green space. Um, it's, uh, you've certainly seen pictures of it uh, after, you know, when it's been rainy and mucky and suddenly we've lost all of our turf. 
Um, so, um, you know, uh, we're keen to continue having conversations with Voodoo and, uh, and see how things are shaping up for them and also have conversations about what can we do to improve uh, the, the care of park assets uh, during, during Voodoo and, and to, you know, to kind of watch its footprint so that park, the remainder of the park is still available uh, to members of the community. I know the park was lobbying for state or federal help. Did anything ever come through for you guys? Uh, no. It, well, the state did provide $2.5 million in state funding in November to help us get over um, uh, some acute moments during COVID. But as far as looking at the American Rescue Plan funds, you know, we have a list of, of items that we're continuing to talk to, uh, to the powers that be about. You know, one of the things I notice is right now it seems to be raining money everywhere, but not necessarily on the places that are parched, right? And parks are parched and city park goes. Uh, every single project we have here, I mean, you look at a park that is largely green space. So it's, it's not filled with, you know, uh, zoos, it's not super highly programmed. Um, everything is infrastructure. Right is green infrastructure largely, um, but uh, we hardly need to say green anymore to distinguish infrastructure. It's so now a part of our DNA, right, to associate green and gray uh, together. So um, we we are continuing to work that. We really hope um, that that everyone will understand the importance of investing in this park. Nice. Uh, as you look ahead at what you guys have before you and just the city in general, as we come out of the pandemic, what makes you feel worried still and what makes you optimistic? Uh, you know, I worry a little bit about being able to find the type of workers that we are going to need here at City Park, especially as we begin to really focus on green infrastructure. One of my observations, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, really clear, I am new here um, in the community and I, I still definitely have a lot to learn. But there are a lot of coastal restoration experts, but finding folks that actually um, specialize in the type of water management that we need here in City Park and the riparian edges and, um, and developing this kind of highly functional system is, uh, we actually need a full workforce, right? That we, uh, that probably come in, you know, at 15 bucks an hour, right? Um, but hopefully spend careers with us managing the system because it does serve the entire community so I'm kind of uh, mindful about the type of work that we have to do to grow that depth of, of staff and expertise here. But what I'm optimistic about though, is I've always noticed when something really tragic happens in a community. So, you know, I come from Houston and we had three 500 year flood events in a row, but of course there was Hurricane Harvey. Um, and it's sometimes following moments like that, that, uh, these, these are catalytic events uh, in terms of creating this incredible type of uh, curiosity and culture building. Um, this, these renaissances seem to happen. And I think there's going to be a reframing of New Orleans uh, that happens from this that's, that's going to create a much more sustainable community that we, we really embrace. New Orleans is about quality of life for its residents. You know, it is not this kind of singular, I mean, we know it, we live here. It's not a singular story about tourism, but when we really take a moment uh, to say quality of life is what mattered here uh, during the pandemic, that we had walkable streets, that we could get on our bikes, that we could hear local musicians play. And, um, and I think that 
there's just going to be a really kind of unique explosion ahead and I can't wait to watch it. And I certainly hope I'm a part of it and the city park is a part of it. I like that vision. Carol Lambright, thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, I really enjoyed talking to you, Rich. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks.